This episode is sponsored by Free Market Kids. Hi, everyone. Today we will listen to part four of my conversation with Kiki. Sort of health and wellness and self care practices, and I was saying that I was very close to the people that were developing practices early on because I was involved in a dance and theater and experimental theater, physical theater community in New York City through my studies at New York University and then through working with these really groundbreaking theater directors, choreographers, postmodern choreographers, as well as doing contact improv, which is a really exciting form of dance and movement. And then I was involved in yoga and everything else. And so, you know, today, obviously, we hear a lot about, you know, fascial release, and there's foam rollers in every gym. Well, when I was you know, in the early 80s, I was working with teachers, directors, choreographers, and we, they were pioneering fashion release. We were using, you know, um, rollers like you would use in the kitchen for making a pie. So I owned, I had a roller in my tiny village apartment. People would be like, you don't even bake. Why do you have this? I'm like, that's for my, my fashion release. And so we were lying on, you know, rolling on tennis balls and shoving two tennis balls into a sock so that it perfectly went to either side of our neck and spine and everything like that. And so I I mention all this to say that I think an important part of Bitcoin adoption is that someone is an outlier and they're an early adopter. And I ran into an NYU professor of mine, I guess, like 35 years later or 30 years later, I left New York. I'd come back. I was at one of my favorite places in the whole world, the Russian and Turkish baths, because when I lived in the East Village in the 80s and early 90s, these were old tenements. When people are like, what was it like? I'm like, go to the tenement museum. You'll see exactly what it was like. You know, the apartments were freezing, the old-fashioned windows, the air, the wind was blowing in. And so there was an old-fashioned bathhouse, and there used to be public bathhouses that people wanted to get clean. They went to a bathhouse once a week. So, you know, as someone who was constantly moving and cold in the winter, I loved going to Russian baths. So jump ahead and, you know, 2010, I'm at the Russian baths. I see a former teacher, professor of mine from NYU in experimental movement oriented theater and he recognized me and he was like oh my god <laughs> oh my god you did everything said we told you your body is an instrument your voice is an instrument you must look after your instruments so you can express in the possible full, fullest way through movement and voice and everything like that. So yes, I did do all those things. So I was an early adopter because of course, I wasn't the only person that was exposed to those techniques, but I continued to do them. I think, you know, when you and I first met, you were like, I rarely see people of your generation at these Bitcoin meetups. What are you doing here? And I would say, I'm not like other people who are my age. And when I first learned about Bitcoin, I reached out to people from age 45 to 65. And I was like, what do you know about Bitcoin? What do you know about Bitcoin? I asked 100 people, many of them highly successful in business. And 99 people said, Bitcoin, it's rat poison or whatever they said. Bitcoin, I don't know anything about Bitcoin or it's a Ponzi or it's nothing. So no one knew about Bitcoin. 
when I I started yoga, I first opened a yoga school, you know, 12 years or 13 years after learning yoga, I opened a yoga school in Los Angeles in 1996, really before we were using the internet or anything like that. And uh, I was driving around LA and looking for, for rent signs in commercial real estate buildings. And then I would, you know, stop and write down the phone number and then go home and call them on the landline. And they, you know, a landlord would ask what kind of business. And I would say yoga. And the landlords would say no food. And they would hang up the phone. They thought I was saying yogurt. So I'm not like other early adopters. When I opened my yoga school, I opened a yoga school in a creative, small neighborhood. I would say that I opened one of the first neighborhood yoga schools in Los Angeles. Um, and that would mean for the rest of the, most of the rest of the country and the world. Because there was like two or three well-known yoga schools in most towns. They had to do with a certain lineage of teaching. So you went to the Iyengar Yoga School or you went to the Kundalini Yoga School. And so when I was opening yoga school in Silver Lake, people were like, who do you think is going to go to your yoga school? Why are you opening it there? The tiny former beauty salon. And I was like, who's going to come? All the artists and creative people that live in the neighborhood. They're just going to drive by it or walk by it and walk in and do yoga. And so that, you know, was very successful. So, yes. Yeah, so I would say I'm an early adopter. I'm an outlier. And if someone is not an early adopter and they're not an outlier, they're not going to be interested in Bitcoin. Someone has to have a general distrust of authority <laughs> because if they think that their government or their bank or even, you know, the older generation or something is looking after them or has their best interests at the forefront, well, they're, they're not going to be interested in Bitcoin. And it has to be someone who's very disciplined. So if someone's not disciplined, they're just going to be like, why would I go through all the trouble of learning about Bitcoin, holding my own, learning about cryptography, holding my own keys, listening to hundreds of hours of podcasts that make very little sense initially. So someone has to be very disciplined and they have to be disciplined enough to say like, I'm saving my money for my future. And I would also say they have to have high confidence because if they have low confidence, then if anybody says to them, Bitcoin, that's dangerous, they're going to quit. Bitcoin, what are you talking about? Bitcoin, what are you stupid? That's ridiculous. So you have to have high confidence. You have to be able to go. When people are like, yoga? Why do you go to yoga every morning at 8 a.m., which in like the mid-1980s was the craziest thing a person could do? Well, I had high confidence and I had high discipline and I was an outlier and I had a general distrust of authority. And so I was like, because it's amazing. So I think people have to have that. Maybe most of the men, most of the people in Bitcoin, which are mostly men, maybe they have more of that. I don't know. Maybe it's harder for women to have those qualities. Maybe women are too busy with full-time work and child rearing and all these other responsibilities because women are the main caretakers, whether that's their own elderly parents or siblings or children or nieces, nephews, etc. So 
in some ways, women have less time, but that means they value their time more. And I think the most, one of the most important attributes or compelling attributes of Bitcoin is the time preference. Is if you really value your time and how little of it, you know, we actually have and how quickly time flies, then we know whatever money we take today to put into Bitcoin, even if that's 10 US dollars or 50 US dollars or 500 US dollars, that money in Bitcoin is going to grow in value. Despite, you know, these dips and rises that we see, if we look at it over the life of Bitcoin, which is only 14 years, they're barely distinguishable and we only see like this upward arc. And so if someone really values their time and they value meaningful experiences over fast food, fast fashion, fast, you know, entertainment, social media, things like that. So if they value meaningful experiences, then Bitcoin is like the marshmallow test. It's like the perfect time preference test. Can you wait, if you wait, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes before you eat that marshmallow, I'm going to give you two marshmallows. And, you know, you can go to YouTube and look at the marshmallow test and you can really see the children, really like the look on the face of the children that have that ability to wait out the time period and get that second marshmallow. That's all about time preference. Can we sort of stay the course? save money, hold it in Bitcoin for our meaningful experiences in our later life, for our meaningful experiences for, you know, our our families or whatever. So, yes, I would say those are qualities that are important for understanding or becoming interested and investing in Bitcoin. I definitely agree with you about how you have to not be afraid to be an outlier, especially at this time in the development of Bitcoin. I think there will come a day when you can be a part of the ecosystem and not be an outlier. And that's what we're striving for. Yes, but we're still early. We're still early. We're still early. So you, we have to be an early adopter. Thank you for joining us today. We will continue this conversation tomorrow. Be sure to come back and hear the rest. See you next time.